Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 7. We've been covering the book of Proverbs this summer. It's a, an ancient book of wisdom, divinely inspired for our good. Uh, the goal of, of the book is, is wisdom. It's a Hebrew word, chokmah, uh, which, which basically means the ability to, to, to navigate a complex and broken world with, with skill, um, especially when, when a, a clear right or wrong answer is not available. Uh, the Ten Commandments don't, don't ha- help us in every situation that we come across, and so God gives us wisdom, and that's what the book of Proverbs is for, to help us develop wisdom, um, to, to, to have self-control, or to, to, to live godly lives. We've been covering theme by theme, and as you heard earlier this morning, we're going to consider self-control this morning. It's a mark of wisdom to be able to anticipate and avoid destructive sin and temptation. That's what we're gonna cover this morning. I, I, let me just confess to you that I didn't realize how heavy of a, a text this would be until I preached it in the first service. Sometimes as you, as you put together a message, uh, you, you put together the words, and, but then it comes out in front of God's people and it's just heavy. Um, because we're talking about some stuff that you probably would rather not talk about this morning. Um, but I, I'm taking my marching orders from Titus 2, the text that Josh read earlier. Uh, God has given us the spirit to help us say no to sin and listen to these words that Paul gave to Titus. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. That's, I circled that in my text this week and, and, and I just wanna, I come under the authority of God's word and, and, and we'll proclaim these truths to you this morning. We also wanna pray with us as we get started, uh, as we jump in this text. Heavenly Father, we, um, we're grateful for your word which confronts us in areas, again, that we probably don't wanna be confronted in, but it confronts us. Um, as painful as that is, Lord, it, it opens up our heart for healing and for grace. And that's my goal this morning, God. I want, I want people to see Jesus and to receive the grace of the gospel. And so, Lord, our, our Bibles are open in front of us. May our hearts be open inside of us, God to receive your words and to receive your healing grace, Jesus. I pray that this morning uh, would, be, would be life-changing in, 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 in people's lives, Lord, as they confess sin and, uh, and, and find the grace that you give. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, a few years ago, I received a book uh, called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. Any of you remember this? This got popular for a little bit. It was wonderful for a high schooler to read. Uh, it's loaded with practical wisdom on how to survive any kind of random scenario that might come your way, like how to survive a poisonous snake bite. That'd be helpful up here, right? Or how to survive, how to, how to navigate a, a moving train and, and jump inside one of the doors. You see it on the movies, but what if you happen to find yourself in that situation? What would you do? This book will tell you. Uh, how to deliver a baby in a taxi cab. Hopefully none of you have had that experience. Or what to do if your parachute fails to open. Apparently there's something you can do. Um, how to win a sword fight. Lots of great practical wisdom because you never know, right? Life is filled with danger and obstacles are around every corner. You, you wanna be ready. Now, in a lot of ways, I feel like the book of Proverbs is a survival guide. Uh, I'm beginning to understand through this study what Jesus meant when he said, wide is the road to destruction. There are lots of ways that you could destroy your life. You can get creative in destroying your life. And I'm not talking about high-speed chases and sword fights. I'm talking about sin and temptation. The the passions of our flesh that we're doing so good and we just are led astray because our flesh is weak. We have an enemy that prowls around like a lion Seeking someone to devour. That's a, that's a chilling word. If we're not intimately aware of the power of sin and the weakness of our flesh, we're prime candidates to dismantle our lives before they even begin. You can, you can give up everything that God has given you and bless you with in, in five minutes. 
that's a sobering thought, isn't it? Esau, I was remembering him this week. He gave up his inheritance for what? A warm bowl of soup. And I'm sure many of us have given up more for, for far less. Solomon had seen so many young and godly young men, potential, loaded with potential, destroy their lives before they even began. And so he loads this book of wisdom with, with, uh, with, with insight on how to avoid temptation. Really the first nine chapters, we're kind of going back. We've been in chapters 10 to 30, looking at the, and, 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 and looking at the kind of the, the random collection of them. We're going back into these first nine chapters because this is loaded with information on how to avoid and anticipate temptation. This is an extremely relevant message for the 21st century. We live in a pleasure seeking world. There are opportunities all over the place for you to indulge in the passions of your flesh. But when the spirit of God fills us, he empowers us to say no. He teaches us to say no. So this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a a painful story of a successful temptation in Proverbs chapter seven. You might identify with this story. In fact, you probably will at some level. We're gonna watch a smooth seductress completely dismantle a naive young man and it takes her about five minutes. It's, it's, it kind of reminds me as I was thinking about this text, like uh, one of those National Geographic videos of a lion coming up on a gazelle and, and devouring it. It's not pretty. It's not a fair fight. That's what Proverbs chapter seven is, but he included it for our benefit. We get to watch this, watch this temptation and slow it down a little bit and, and see some of the techniques and the strategies of the devil so that we might resist. Now, as we jump in, let me just give you one quick reminder. You know this, I've said this before, but it's worth bringing up again. The book of Proverbs was written specifically for young men. That's who the audience of the book is. And so therefore, when we come to Proverbs 7 and we see a temptation between two people, the, 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 the simple-minded victim, if you will, is, is a young man. And the, the predator, if you will, is a seductively clothed, beautiful woman. This is not making a gender statement. Solomon was contextualizing it to his audience. It would make sense for him to write it this way. It would be very easy for us to see how it goes both ways though. Both men and women fall into these traps. And and beyond that, this is a a story of a sexual temptation. If you go to chapter 20 in the 20s, there's there's actually a narration of a man plunging into a to a cup of wine, and you can see his downfall coming. Temptation is all over the place, but we have in Proverbs 7 a story of a temptation. So let's look at verse 6. We'll we'll begin reading here. Read a few verses at a time. At the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a man lacking sense. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night, in darkness. So the wise narrator helps us set the scene. What, what time of day is it? It's the evening. He makes that very clear. He puts it out four times, lets us know what time of the day it is. This is not in the middle of the afternoon when everybody's at work. It's a small but important detail. This is happening as the sun goes down and the city lights start coming up. It's an important detail because when the lights go out, there's something that clicks on inside of us. When we get tired, we, we feel like nobody can see us. And so that's the, the setting of this story. The, the lights have gone down. We've, we let down our guard. Well, the narrator noticed a group of friends walking around this town. There's just a pack of young guys out looking for fun. They're not looking for trouble. They're not carrying weapons. They're not gonna like rob a bank. They're just out to have fun. The Bible says that they're simple-minded. Now we've come up across several 
character studies in the, in the, book, of Bible, uh, the book of Proverbs. There's fools, there's sluggards, scoffers. This is an interesting one, the simple. They're, they're not bad. They're not looking for trouble. What that word literally means is they're open-minded. They're young. They're gullible. They're untested. So they're old enough to walk the streets at night without a parent, but they're not wise enough yet, experienced enough yet to navigate them well. They don't know what kind of dangers are looking ahead. It's an incredibly dangerous scenario. Well, as the father is observing this pack of young men, he noticed one of them break off. And he broke off on a notorious street. You know why? It says in the Bible, it says her corner, her street. He, he broke off of the pack. He had a curious look on his face. Again, he's not, he's not gonna do anything wrong. He's not up to any, any, any sin. That's not what he's doing. He just is curious. He'd, he'd heard rumors about a, a lady that lived down that street. So he just took a side road and walked down to see what he might find. That's what it's like to be simple. Look at verse 10. There's no way he's gonna actually meet her, but he's bored, so he'll give it a shot. But verse 10, behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. That word wily literally means closed is a, is a closer translation. She's loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, at every corner she lies in wait. Well, the rumors were true. Can you believe this young man's luck? He was just curious. He was bored, looking for some entertainment, and he found her without even trying. Though the narrator just expertly lets us know that he didn't find her. She found him. Because she's all over town, bouncing around like, like a skilled seductress. She's looking for her next victim. And this innocent, naive young man that doesn't know any better is the perfect candidate. Well, he doesn't know that. He thought he got lucky. And so he stands there and he meets this woman and his heart rate starts beating. Oh my goodness, what am I gonna say? The woman was dressed to kill. She was stunningly beautiful. He wasn't actually expecting to meet her. So he had to scramble for the right words. What would he do? Do you introduce yourself? Do you stick out your hand and introduce her? Do you have to make an excuse for being on her street? Look, look, look what happens at verse 13. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a bold face, she said, I had to offer sacrifices and today I have paid my vows. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. And I have found you. Well, hello. Before he could even say a word or introduce himself, she grabs him by the shirt sleeves, brings him in and plants one on his lips. How's that for an introduction? What do you do with that? That's not normal social behavior. And at this point, the young man should have started asking questions in his head. This is not normal. You usually exchange names before you exchange kisses. And so as he's kind of starting to think, wait, something's not right here. She immediately eases any doubts that he has in his mind. Look what, look what the first words out of her mouth are. It's important. This is how she leads the temptation. I just got back from the temple. I've offered my sacrifices. I've paid my vows. I'm clean. I'm ready to celebrate. So as he's thinking in his head, you're, 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 this is not normal. She's going, no, no, no. I'm a completely normal member of society. More than that, I'm a religious woman. I just got back from church. I'm doing good things. You can lay back. You, you can trust me. Now, this is one of the defining marks of a sinful sabotage. You will constantly be reassured throughout the entire process that what you were doing is in fact okay. It's okay. Just go a little bit further. You're fine. Don't worry about it. She's a normal woman. Carry on. Everything's good. Now that he's settling in, okay, now I can let my guards down. You, you know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're 
you're a religious woman. She now breaks off one of her best strategies. In verse 15, she says this. She says, I'm so glad I found you. I have eagerly been searching for you. I'm glad you broke off from that, that group of punks that you're hanging out with so that just me and you could be alone. She's speaking right to the longings of his heart. He's a lonely man and she knows it. You know why? Because men don't walk the streets alone, don't walk that corner alone unless they're lonely. And this man was lonely. I wonder if anybody had ever spoken to him like that. You're, you're special. You're incredible. But this woman is, man, I've been waiting for you. That felt good. But she's just getting started. Look at the plan she suggests in verse 16. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Now, now I'm reading this, the Bible through, uh, through on my audio book, or audio Bible through like a dramatized version of the Bible. If you ever do that, that's fun. If you have a, a copy of that, listen to Proverbs chapter seven. It's very insightful. <laughs> when we come to this uh, verse, she goes, I have covered my bed with cinnamon. <laughs> it's very awkward. And I will never look at my spice rack the same way. Um, so there she has it. She promises this bored young man a sensual overload. How can he deny her now? I mean, her couch is soft. You've never felt anything like it. The linens, they're from Egypt. They're colorful. Like if you don't, if you don't come check these linens out, you'll probably never feel anything like it the rest of your life. You got to come right now. Her room smells wonderful. It's just gonna be a wonderful evening. She's speaking to the longings of his heart the desires of his body. At this point, she's pulled back and she's, she sinks the hook in. She's got him now. There's no way that he possibly could turn back. But there's a, just one final detail. Look at verse 19. Hey, it's even better. My husband's not at home. What? <laughs> You're married? He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Wait a minute. This is, this is not right. You, you didn't tell me that you were married. If the man goes with this woman now, he will clearly be committing adultery. He'll be sinning against God, against this woman, against this woman's husband. It's interesting how this detail comes in so late in the story, isn't it? There's always another piece of information. That's what you have to know about these sinful sabotages, about these temptations. There's always more to the story than you could see up front. And now that the hook is set, she goes, oh yeah, yeah, my husband, he won't even care. But now he's gonna commit adultery. And if he had known this information earlier, maybe he would have backed away. Not only that, he's gonna infuriate a very powerful man that was powerful enough to leave for a few weeks with a big old bag of money. He's gonna come back into town and this young man knows that. He's stuck now. But good news, he's on a long journey. Again, constant reassurance. Everything's okay. I've taken care of all of the details. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. He's being reassured. Let's finish this sad story. Proverbs 7, 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And all at once he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. This young man's naive and inexperienced heart was fatally wounded 
before he could even think. What a quick sabotage. As he walked into that dimly lit aromatic room, the narrator, the wise narrator looked back and he saw a pained expression on his face. One of longing and desire, but also one of regret and defeat. As the narrator's looking at that face, where else have I seen that face before? That's, that's right. When the ox goes to the slaughter or when the mouse finds that piece of cheese on the mouse trap and grabs it, it and instantly in the same moment, he got what he wanted, but the, the trap came down and he's trapped, he's caught. His life is over. Th- that's what this man is feeling right now. He's gonna have a wonderful night, but not really. He's been caught. He's been played and he knows it. And so this is our sobering story. Thank you, Solomon, for that wonderful, encouraging, uplifting story. What are we supposed to do with that? That's a tragic story, really. How should we, how should we process this? We should learn from it. Really, we've seen over and over in the, in the Proverbs, he gives us situations from life and says, apply them and learn from them. Look at verse 24. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low and all her slain are a mighty throng. From that narrator's perch he has seen man after man after man go down that path. A mighty throng. Pay attention. Listen, listen. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down into the chambers of death. Solomon gave us this story so that we could develop wisdom and anticipate temptation and avoid it. That's why we have this story. He's given us a case study of a classic temptation, and this is a gift if you'll see it as such. We can review this. We can put it on slow motion. We can, we can break it down and learn from it and see some of the strategies that our enemy uses against us and be smart so that we don't plunge into the same pit of destruction as this young man did. So let me highlight five brief points of, of ways that we can avoid falling into the same sin that took this young, simple man down. First, if we want to avoid sin, we need to live with conviction. Live with conviction. When you read a story like this, it's really important to determine the turning point. Where was the, where was the critical turning point in this story? Where was it too late to go back? Was it when he walked in the house and the door clicked shut? Was it too late then? No, I think it was earlier. Was it when she grabbed him and kissed him? Should he have just called a timeout and backed off and said, no, I'm I'm not gonna do this? No, I think it was actually earlier. Was it when he broke off from his pack of friends and decided to go at it alone? I think it was earlier. Here's where I think it was. I think it was when he, that afternoon, laced up his shoes and decided to navigate the town without conviction. As a simple-minded, gullible, open-minded young man, he was open to attack. He was not held by a set of core doctrines and beliefs. It's like, a, like, a, like somebody stepping out into battle without any armor on. So when the woman showed up and kissed him, it was too late to think or resist. He had, had not made up his mind. He was enslaved at that point by his passions. Proverbs 17, 24 says this. This is a wonderful verse. Um, if you find it, circle this. This is a great verse. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom. You know what that word makes me think of? Sets his face. I think of Jesus going to the cross. He has one path. 
He set his face toward Jerusalem. The discerning set their face toward wisdom. They have their mind made up. There is one possible choice that I will make in my life and it's the wise choice. But the fool, what do they look at? Their eyes are on the ends of the earth. They have not narrowed down their options. They're looking anywhere because you never know. They don't wanna tie themselves down. That's what it means to be simple-minded. You have not tied yourself down. You've left your options open. You're not gonna subscribe to a single set of beliefs. That's intolerant. That's what our world would tell you. That's intolerant. I wonder how many students showed up in Boone last week or the week before with a wide open mind. Now's finally my chance. I'll get to go to the ends of the earth. Maybe I'll go to church. Maybe I'll see what's happening on Friday night. I'll, I'll walk around. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I can try it out. Last night we were heading around after the game. Uh, me and Laura and Audrey were walking around the, and, and man, just lots of simple-minded people. Just, and, and I just about preached this message to them right there in the middle of campus. Just wonder, man, how, I just do what I wanna do? Man, that's a great way to destroy your life before it even begins is to try to navigate life without conviction. Discerning people know better. They've set their eyes on wisdom. They set their face toward Jesus and they live with, with conviction. Now it's a kind hearted and a humble conviction, not an arrogant conviction, a humble conviction, but it's a conviction nonetheless. And so let me ask you this, is your life locked in on a set of coordinates? Is there a belief that's guiding you or are you just drifting with the winds and the wave? Let me ask you more specifically. Do you believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God? Like, can you trust in this book? Have you placed your, your life under the authority of God's word? Because if you've not, you're gonna, you're gonna be open to all sorts of disaster that will come your way. If you've not settled on some of these basic doctrines, you're, you're a prime candidate to fall into needless snare of the devil. The best way to resist temptation is to set your face on Jesus. Live with conviction. Second, this, if we wanna avoid sin, we need to sharpen our vision. Sharpen our vision. We need to be able to see beyond a couple of feet down the road. We need to be able to anticipate trouble and to know where certain things lead. We need to look at life through the eyes of the narrator and not through the eyes of the young man. Now we're really good at this when we watch movies, aren't we? Whenever we watch a movie, you can see a bad decision a mile ahead. Your favorite character is about to make a bad choice and you're like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. If you go in that door, you know what's coming. And he does it. He goes in the door and you're like, no, why'd you go in the door? We can see it when we watch movies. Why can't we do this when we live our lives? What would happen if we live with that same kind of awareness? Like, I know what's gonna happen if I do that. We need to strengthen, sharpen, lengthen our vision so that we can, we can anticipate trouble when it comes. The simple-minded man had a very short vision. He was swept away by the, the rush of endorphins and the Egyptian linens. Like his, his eyes were focused on the couch and not the pathway to Sheol, to death, to hell. He should have expanded his vision to see this path doesn't take me where I wanna go. Look at Proverbs 5, three to five. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, that's the key word, in the end, know where it leads. Yes, it looks good, it feels good, the honey, the oil, but in the end, it is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. If you go into your house, you will enjoy a sensory explosion, but you're walking into your own death. 
The wise people need to expand our vision and see where sin takes us. Take a step back and ask yourself some of those basic questions. Is this evening of pornography getting me where I wanna go? Like play it out, play out the conclusion of that. Is this relationship that I've developed that nobody knows about, where's, where's it taking me? Strengthen your vision. Third, if we want to avoid destructive sins, we need to watch our steps. A very practical step we can take. Just watch where you go. Even wise people can plunge into the needless snares of temptation if they get close enough. And so wise people set up boundaries. We don't go down that street we don't go even near that because we know how weak our flesh is. And so this is a great practical step. Set up boundaries. Now, it seems so elementary, doesn't it? You had boundaries as a kid, but as a full grown man, you don't need boundaries, right? I can walk down her street and be just fine. She won't bother me. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians 10. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. The Proverbs are just loaded with wisdom on it. If, you, if you're arrogant, you're about to destroy yourself. Don't think that you can withstand. Solomon advises us to, to put up boundaries in our lives. Proverbs 5, 8 says this, keep your way far from her and do not go the, the door of her house. Look at chapter six. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not get scorched? Even full grown men put boundaries around the things that they love. You lock your door, don't you? you? You have passcodes on your bank account. If you protect your money and your stuff, why wouldn't you protect your soul? Put boundaries around your life. Protect yourself. Some of you just don't need to go to that restaurant again or to that bar again. It might even be wise to just drive a different street, even if you gotta leave five minutes earlier. Some of you need to end a relationship some of you need to get rid of a computer or just go to bed early next Friday night. Really, and it's simple as that. If you do that, you can save yourself a life of evil and destruction. It's worth taking a radical step if, you'll keep, if it'll keep you from a destructive sin. Fourth, we can avoid sin and temptation if we fill our hearts. If we fill our hearts. Look at Proverbs 24, 13 to 14. My son, eat honey. For it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Now Solomon is encouraging his son to eat honey. Honey's not the problem. The source is the problem. He's saying if you find good honey, eat it and enjoy it. If you find wisdom, that's what it's gonna be. You're gonna enjoy this and you will be stuffed and you will be filled. A lot of people think that saying no to sin and the, and the virtue of self-control means that you're gonna live a stuffy, miserable, backwards life. It's just not the case. God created a good world and filled it with, with so many good pleasures. It's filled with honey and with wisdom. And if you seek that and you find it, you will not be stuffed. You'll, 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 be, you'll be full, you won't be hungry. You'll fill yourself with the good things that God has given to you. And when that happens, temptation will lose its power. One of the reasons I think this young man plunged in into destruction was because he was hungry. He was empty. He was lonely. He was walking the streets at night, desperate for affection. Listen, if you go through life hungry and empty, you will be so 
much more uh, likely to go into the, to the snares of the devil. You'll make bad decisions. This is why you never go to a grocery store on an empty stomach. If you were to go right now, I know a lot of you are hungry right now. You're like, why are you talking about food? I'm hungry. If you were to go to the grocery store right now and do your week's worth of shopping, you will come home with a, a lot of weird food. <laughs> that looks tasty. That looks good. If you go through life hungry and lonely, you're just gonna fill it with a lot of destructive sin. That's what's gonna happen. I know so many people, that, so many Christians that just go through the motions. They just read their Bible, but it's flat. They show up at church. It's completely boring. This is such a dangerous place to be because if Jesus is not filling your soul and the word of God is not filling you, you're gonna fill it with something. And as you leave those doors, there are plenty of things that will offer to fill your lonely and your empty soul. But we have honey here. We have all that we need here for us to fill our souls with good things. I know a lot of Christians that are just devouring God's word and feasting on it. We show up to church events and we just love it. We love the community that God has given to us. The second most important prayer I've ever prayed in my life beyond Jesus receive me, I am a sinner, is this. Jesus, help me love the Bible. I'm trying so hard, I just don't understand it. And I pray that you would help me love the Bible. That prayer changed my life. And honestly, I think it's a reason that I'm standing here. It was a turning point in my life where God filled me with a deep love for the Bible. And I was satisfied with the word of God that fills you. If you're filled with, with the good things God has given you, you'll be able to resist temptation. It loses its attractiveness. Finally, and this is the key point. I could have camped out here all morning, but I, I just want to close with this. If, if you want to avoid sin, you need to fear the Lord. If, you, if, you, if you're taking, just jot that down in the column of Proverbs chapter seven. The key thing that was missing in this kid's life was that he just did not fear God. Where's God in the story? He did, he's just not there. Over and over and over, the, the, the young man is thinking, I'll get away with it. God doesn't see, God doesn't care. It's dark, nobody knows. She's religious, surely she knows better. God doesn't care. The husband's gone, I'm gonna get away with it. But God does care, God does see. He even sees in the dark. He doesn't sleep. It doesn't matter that she went to the church. Adultery is wrong and the young man should have known that. Church, get this into your head. You cannot get away with sin. And as we grow in our fear of the Lord and we realize that God is holy and that God sees everything that we do, and that we'll give an account for our actions, as we grow in that fear of the Lord, our, our, our desire to sin will decrease. Let me say that again. If you grow in your fear of the Lord, your desire to sin will decrease. The Proverbs are loaded. Let me give you three real quick. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is what? Hatred of evil. How could I do that if, if I fear the Lord? Proverbs 16, six, by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Proverbs 14, seven, you think the fear of the Lord's a miserable thing? No, it's not. Look at this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that if you turn to it, you can turn away from the snares of death. You're leaving a destructive trap and you're going into something that will fill you with good things. The fear of the Lord will keep you from evil. As you grow in the fear of the Lord, you will grow in your hatred of sin. Now, if you think this is an Old Testament concept, let me read the text we've been looking at this morning. Titus 2, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Amen. God will empower us as we worship him and lean into a relationship with him, God will empower us to say no to sin. 
Now, some of you think that's impossible. I mentioned it at the very beginning. We have an enemy, the devil, that prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. But friends, I want you to hear this. Listen very closely. He has been defeated. I don't know if you heard. He, he has been defeated. That's not a future promise. That is a past. You look back to the cross and you see on the cross, Satan was humiliated. He was defeated. He is on God's leash. He can't do anything to you that God doesn't allow. And listen to this, 1 Corinthians 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide an escape so that you may be able to endure it. What an encouraging message that we have. Your greatest enemy has been defeated. It is possible for you to receive the Lord and to to learn how to say no to sin is the spirit of God dwells inside of you. He produces the fruit of self-control. And I pray this message will spare some of you the needless destruction of exploring the passions of your flesh. But as we close, let me say this. And, and I think this is why this text is so heavy. A lot of you, Proverbs 7 is your testimony. It's your story. In some way or another, you've walked down that road. And you're like, well, this would have been great to know 15 years ago. This would have been great to know yesterday afternoon. This is a heavy text because our flesh is weak. And this room is filled. Every one of us make horrible decisions. So maybe you've already given your body to someone and now you're reaping the consequences. Or you're discouraged because you fell off the wagon yet again. Again, maybe you, maybe you gave this up last night and you just limped into church this morning and you're thinking, is, is there any hope? Because you don't feel like there's hope. There's always hope. In fact, that's why we're here this morning. Not to celebrate the fact that we have, we have kept ourselves clean. We all have come limping into this room this morning, having been ensnared by the temptations of the evil one. And we're looking for grace and we're looking for hope and, and we have it. Even in Proverbs, look at Proverbs 28, 13. This just jumps off the page. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. What a beautiful text. Some of you have come in here carrying a sin, an unconfessed sin. And you know what the natural way to do or to deal with that sin is? Is to just hide it. You had a horrible night. You had a horrible week. You made a dumb mistake and and you know it and everybody else knows it if if they did know it. You've got this secret, you've got this sin. And what do you do? You just try to hide it. You take it out back when nobody's looking and you dig a hole and you try to stuff that sin down into it and cover it back up. That is a, a hard way to live. It's a natural way to deal with sin. I know it. You don't, want, you don't want your sin broadcast and you don't want people to know what you've done. And so you just try to conceal it. You lock it up tight. You take it to, a, to another state and try to get rid of, throw it, whatever it is, you try to get rid of that sin and you try to conceal it. But if that's the way that you deal with sin, I have nothing but bad news for you. You will not prosper. That's what Proverbs says. You will bear the consequences. It will come back and you will have to pay for that. It'll cost you your life. 
But there is good news, and that's why we're here this morning. There is good news for those that have been caught in a transgression, those that have been caught in a sin. Listen, this is, this is, this is what you do. You confess it. You forsake it. And what does the Bible say? You will receive mercy. How, you say? God would never receive me. Oh, you, let, me, let me give you the gospel this morning. Are you ready for this? You were enslaved by that sin like an ox going to the slaughter and you deserved it. But you know what the Bible tells us about Jesus? Even though he did not sin, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And he died and he bore the consequences of of our sin. Our sin took us down into the pit of hell. We thought we were gonna have fun and didn't realize that it was leading us to, to, to hell. But church, this morning, I want, I want you to hear this. You don't have to stay there. You know why? Because Jesus willingly went there for you to get you back. And all you have to do, all you have to do is confess your sin and forsake it. And you will find a loving savior that willingly bled and gave up his own life to bear the consequences of your sin. He will receive you back. Confess your sins to Jesus and you will receive mercy. Mercy. 